Hello and welcome to the Sail Loot Podcast, where we share our adventures of the sea and hope to achieve that cruising life that sets us free. I'm Teddy J, and this is podcast episode 39 with Kamau Ayandatiero at his Ayandai Boats YouTube channel. So, to me, retirement would, would just be, you know, I've really gotten things set up to the point where I don't really have to do anything, but I don't think I'd ever stop dabbling. So, Kamau, if you're listening, I'm, I'm realizing that uh, we need to get your website set up, brother, you know? Iandiboats.com. That would have been way easier for me to tell people in order to send them your way and over to a big hub of yours where it's got your videos and pictures and a few other things that you might have. So let's get that set up. If you need any help, let me know. In fact, you'll probably get an email from me before this uh, podcast is out. So if anybody else needs any help setting up their website, uh, first uh, take a look. Head on over to sailloot.com and click on the Way Anchor tab. There's a little video over there telling you all about how you can set up a website uh, using Bluehost's web hosting services. If you need hosting for your site uh, and you want to and you want to help me out and you want to use Bluehost, uh, head on over to sailloot.com/bluehost, set up your hosting and I'll, you know, might you might help support the podcast a little bit in that way. I might get a little bit of a commission for that. First though, Thank you guys very, very much. Everybody that's listening, everybody that's reading, and all the email ralliers out there. You can go ahead and head on over to sailloot.com slash podcast review so you can subscribe to the podcast. You can sign up to the email rally, and you can even leave a review if you like the podcast. A special, special thanks to all the people who share. I got a chance to talk to Steve from The Sailing Road. He was happened to be in Atlanta, and we got together for a beer. And we kind of decided that one of the best things that everybody can do is share. Like, maybe you share a, a link on Facebook or Twitter, or put a link to the podcasts on your website, or even take somebody's phone out that you're sailing with or boating with and say, Hey, you know, I know this cool site called sailloot.com, or here's how you get it on your phone. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people who, who share or you know, just told a fellow sailor where to find Sail Loot and all about the podcast. If you sort of want to support uh, monetarily, you can head on over to sailloot.com and click on the resources tab over there and, and open up that page. And I have a bunch of affiliate links over there. For example, or if you, you're just trying to buy something from Amazon or whatever it is, head on over to sailloot.com slash Amazon. I might get a little commission for whatever it is that you purchase, and it will be at no extra charge to you. And, you know, I'll, I'll just go ahead and put that towards paying for hosting on Libsyn or website hosting or whatever else it is and whatever other costs that I uh, have to incur in order to keep this podcast going. Allowing, you know, you guys to hear some awesome interviews from people like my guests on today's podcast, which is Kamau Ayandatiero. Kamau and I got to talk for a while, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I I enjoy talking to Kamau. He's he's building his own boat in his basically backyard in Baltimore, and that is just amazing to me. He is uh, quite a big guy, and you know he wants to be able to fit in his own boat. I'll why don't I just let him tell you what. He wants to be able to do comfortably when he's cruising around and sailing on his old 
on his own boat. So without further ado, here is Kamal Ayandatiero. And again, you can find him on his YouTube channel over at I and I Boats. All right. Hello and welcome to the Salute Podcast. I have Kamau Ayandatiero on the uh, line with me right now. And uh, Kamau, as always to all my guests, I say thank you for taking the time on this Sunday evening to join me this evening. It's uh, my privilege. Teddy J, the man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. Oh, you have a you have a DJ name like you know from the the uh, from the seventies like Teddy J like smooth jazz. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for go. right there. The, yeah. the, the smooth salute podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thank you for joining me. And I I ask everybody this. You've kind of been through this before, but I'm gonna ask anyway. So give me the quick and dirty. I will um, also put you know, references to other podcasts that you've been on. You've explained the answer to this question uh, before, but so tell me a little bit about how your love for sailing came about. Um, my love for sailing came about uh, in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, my girlfriend at the time got a group on for my birthday and it was just for a two hour sail on a 24-foot rainbow, which is a, a beautiful 1960s design boat down in Annapolis from the Annapolis Sailing School. And we went out on this perfectly hot July day, and it was, I was just in love. I've always, I, I, I love the outdoors. I love nature. I camp, you know, um, I love to swim. I love boats. I've always loved boats. I, I, um, I used to draw boats as a child boats and ships and airplanes and build models and stuff. So um, I always had a dream to own a boat. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about sailboats. So I wanted a power boat. And as you get older and realize how much things cost, and you're like, ugh, you know, it, you kind of lose that fire or, you know, desire necessarily, or you kind of think it's out of your range. And, you know, and of course there's older boats, but once I got st- into sailing or were on sailboats and started to realize that these boats were, you know, very um, ancient in their technology, but you could equip them to be very modern and you can travel the world. Whereas with a powerboat, you're really only, you know, cruising locally unless, you know, you want to you know, have a big old, I don't forget what you call those trawler kind of boat. Um, the and question- that just changed my whole perspective about what I what I saw myself doing with my life, actually. Okay, what, how what you saw yourself doing with your life that that's an interesting statement. We'll get yeah. back to that. What I was about to say in there was, uh, yeah, I guess it would all depend on how much fuel you could actually hold on the boat to take right. a trawler or any other motorboat across oceans, right? Now, now think about 2013. What gas was was the gas was cost costing at that time it's right. like three dollars a gallon so i was like oh no <laughs> sale is the way to go exactly exactly so you had this lesson and you immediately said uh, okay i can i should build a boat i said sell everything i'm getting on a boat <laughs> <laughs> um well it, it's 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 deeper than that and this is what i was telling to uh during our pre-record conversation mm-hmm. um about changing life i like you um you know, I'm not sure if you're divorced yet, but um, I was am. having a okay. Well, 
congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, um, and I, I must commend you on your bravery for being so open about what was going on. I mean, that when I, man, when I was listening to that podcast, I was in the gym and I almost dropped the barbell on myself like, oh, my God. But at any rate, man, you know, God is good. And, you know, I'm sure everything will work out just fine. Um, well, well, thank you very anyway, much. So thank you, Kamal. I, do I was going through that. something like, nay, no problem, brother. I was going through something, not not exactly the same circumstance, but me and my wife were splitting up. We had just had a baby. So, and I, I had just been through some issues with um, my business. Uh, my mom had gotten sick. It was just, you know, a plethora of things. And I think I was, this was my way to escape. <laughs> like, I'm going to get on this boat mm-hmm. and I'm going to get out of here. I'm just going to take off for a little while. And that's still my plan. But um, it's, 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 um, it's a beautiful midlife crisis, I call it. But um, <laughs> right. it, it, yeah, it changed. Like, why are we working until we're old enough to not do anything and then die? I mean, my, my father was a longshoreman, a Steve Fedora, and he worked very hard all his life. He retired and died six months later right. when he was 62, almost 63. So, you know, um, and unfortunately, African-American men die much earlier than, you know, Caucasian and Asian men. So, you know, oftentimes we don't even get to <laughs> reap the benefit of Social Security. And that's just a fact of, you know, the world we live in for, for various reasons, that is. Um, some of it has to do with you know, economic issues, some of it has to do with cultural issues and, and uh, stressors that are, you know, that a black man has to deal with that really nobody else does, you know, in this country. And so um, it made it made me see that, you know, tomorrow's not promised. We have to live today, you know. Um, and so I don't want to pull off until I'm 60 or 70 to go do something. And, and um, how can I do this now? How can I literally sail away and explore um the world and that's that's my plan and that's that's what i want to do and that's the kind of boat i'm i've designed and i'm building right so if any of you out there don't know what i'm talking about hopefully maybe you do uh but kamau is building his own boat uh behind his house right now you live in the baltimore area is that correct uh i'm from be more be more baby yes that's what i'm talking (laughs) about in baltimore I'm in Baltimore City, a stone's throw from the renowned Johns Hopkins University, and um, not too far from the from the hospital, the medical campus. Um, very proud of my city. Very proud of of what we do here. Yes, yeah. I am in Baltimore City. That, that is a yeah, it's a great city. I used to live in Southern Maryland, but um, yeah, it's a Baltimore is a great city, and so you're on I and I boats. It's an I and yep. I boats on YouTube. And if people want to go kind of follow along what you've done so far building this boat, you know, you can go check out your YouTube page over there and your YouTube yep. channel, I should say. So it's over 140 videos, I think. Right. Yeah, it is. Uh, and they're and they're good. They're great. It kind of Thank shows you. you. Have you gotten out sailing this this year yet? No, no. No, I've gotten some offers, um, but as you can tell uh, <laughs> from our conversation, it's been quite busy for me. So, <laughs> right. I hope to say I'm actually going to Puerto Rico in two weeks. So, 
I'm hoping to do some sailing while I'm down in the Caribbean in two weeks. So I've talked to a couple of charter companies down there, and uh, we'll see how it goes, with weather and so forth. But yeah, hoping to do something in just a little while. Cool. All right, so you get to go down to the Caribbean in a little bit, huh? Yeah, it's a combination Sweet 16 uh, gift for my middle daughter and a um, graduation gift for my oldest daughter, who just uh, graduated from high school this weekend. She's on her way to college. Yeah. Well, congratulations to her. Where's she going to college? She's going to a small woman's college in North Carolina called Salem. Cool. Good. Yep. Yep. And uh, cool. well, that's great. Are your daughters uh, getting into sailing with you a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. There's a there's a video on there. Uh, it's called "Sailing with My Favorite Crew." It's a <laughs> three part video. We went out. Uh, I actually took them out of school <laughs> one day in the early fall to go sailing. It was beautiful. It was like the beginning of October in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, I took them out on that same rainbow, um, which is a, a it's a you know it's a day sailor no engine and it's a beautiful boat to sail and it was a great day we had a great sail and they've been out with me on other boats that i've chartered um so yeah i'm trying to get them enthusiastic and i think they i think they, they enjoy it they definitely enjoy it whether or not you know they'll do it without me you know who knows but they do enjoy it yeah well getting out on the water is always fun in in my yeah. opinion anyway so well cool first of all let me say this with all the things that have gone on in your life uh, in the last uh, year, basically, um, I'm very sorry, and especially for the loss of your mother. I know she was very close to you, so, um, so I I'm very sorry about that. Um, but I agree with you, basically. On and that, that's kind of where I'm coming from as well, right? I look at my father and I say he's 68 years old, and he. If I wait till I'm retired at 65, if I'm able to retire at 65, because who knows <laughs> if I'll get any of those benefits that, you know, all, right. all, all of the crazy retirement stuff, you know, has kind of gone away these days. You're now betting on a 401k and stocks and all that other stuff <laughs> rather than yeah. uh, pensions and things that um, uh, maybe older generations kind of had or have or whatever. But anyway, right. I, I kind of look at it and say, well, I, I may not be able to wait until I'm 65 years old, 68 right. years old. I may not be able to do it then. So let's get into sale loot a little bit. How do you plan on being able to afford taking off and going cruising <laughs> and adventuring? Um, well, because, one, I, I have faith. And, you know, um, I, I want to work. Even like I don't see what retirement could be. I mean, sit around and watch TV all day sounds ridiculous to me. I think retirement is really when you can just do what you want to do. And I don't think I'd ever want to not be creative or not help people or not be, you know, to contribute to society. So um, I just don't want to have to, you know, get up and go do something for 40 hours a week you know, later on in life. And I've been very fortunate that for the, for the most of my life, I've um, been an entrepreneur and owned um, several businesses um, and, you know, dabbled in a little bit of real estate. So I've always enjoyed, you know, earning my own, my own money and making my way. So to me, retirement would, would just be 
you know, I've really gotten things set up to the point where I don't really have to do anything, but I don't think I'd ever stop dabbling. It's just, you know, you just want to really be prepared for sickness, you know. Right. Uh, how will you take care of yourself if and when you become sick? Um, that's really what we're afraid of. Um, and, you know, you can do that by, you know, kind of being responsible when you're younger and, you know, trying to live right. I know people, I, I'm a big person, but if I if I tell you, you know, how much time I spend in the gym, you, you wouldn't believe it. Um, tr- you know, trying to eat right and, and do things like that. And also you know, investing in my future, which hopefully will be my, my children. You know, um, I'm very traditional in the sense that um, my mom lived with me. Um, she got sick. Uh, back in 2010, I created an in-law apartment for her in my home, right. which which was really the space that was allotted for my business. It was two offices and a conference room and a storage room. I quickly turned those into two bedrooms, a uh, living room, a kitchen, a full bath, and a bedroom for her. And uh, I remember one of my good friends came over, and she got sick in October on her birthday, October 4th. And around they said she'd be coming home like you know towards the end of october and i told my friend like i'm going to have this apartment ready for her by christmas he's like impossible because it was just studs and you know (laughs) dust and dirt and i said no i'm going to get this done and i got it done we had christmas that year 2010 in my mom's new apartment and i was very proud of that i took care of her and cared for her and i'm hoping that 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 culture of caring for the elderly, my children have learned that. And hopefully if I ever need it, they'll be there for me too. But um, I also want to take care of them. Like one of my goals is to make sure that my children, to buy them each a house, you know, that's something I want to do and something that I definitely believe in home ownership and, you know, why throw money away renting, even if while you're undecided as to what you want to do, you know, buy a condo and, Know, things like that. So, anyway, I think there are ways to prepare for old age and sickness. Um, we we kind of lost our way um, in the modernization of our culture, and uh, I, I'm sort of traditional in in that way. Um, and again, it's a lot of it's with faith. You can't live this life and not have faith. I'm not touting any particular religion, but. Mm-hmm. Every day you wake up, if you thought of everything that's trying to kill you, <laughs> you know, if you thought of all the bacteria that's all over the place and, you know, the shit that could fall out of the sky <laughs> right. it, or it, the, the drunk person that's checking their makeup that could run you over. I mean, you would never leave the house, right? Right. So you have to have faith in this in this life to do anything. And so I just have faith that things will, will will work out now I'm, I'm supposed to be talking about a boat i believe right <laughs> yeah yeah but that that's all right you're doing fine right uh you are supposed to be talking about a boat but at the same time um i agree with you i'm and i'm gonna go into a few things about buying a house and stuff like that so um again you explained this a little bit on the 59 north podcast with andy shell what that that you were on but you mentioned it a couple times here as well. You know, you own a house. You've dabbled in the real estate business. So how how did you dabble in the real estate business? Uh, my my father, when when I was a child, we owned a, a townhouse, a row home in the city. Mm-hmm. And my parents lived in one room. Me, my brother, and sister lived in. We slept in the next room, and then we had a living room. 
And then our kitchen was in what would, would basically be the basement. And we slept in that arrangement till I was five years old. And then my, my parents had rented out the top of our house <clears throat> to, you know, people. And when we, when I turned five, they, you know, I guess didn't renew their lease. They moved out. And then me and my brother and sister had each had our own bedroom, you know, which was effectively our own apartment upstairs. And so the, the, the tradition of owning real estate was the set. The example was set by my father. And then when my sister graduated from Towson, Towson state university mm-hmm. in the eighties, she did the same thing. She moved out, she bought a house, she put an apartment in it and she had tenants. So what was I supposed to do <laughs> when I graduated university in 1992? I um, stayed at my parents' home and worked for about a year mm-hmm. and I worked construction and traveled. So I saved my money and a year later at 23, 24, was it now? 23, I bought my first house and it was a three story townhouse in the city. I put an apartment upstairs and within three months I had a tenant. I was, my mortgage was $450 and I had a one bedroom unit upstairs that I, that I charged $350 rent. So Holy I only cow. had to cut. Yeah, I only had to come up with $100 to live. So two years later, I bought another house and had more apartments. And it, it just, it comes by sacrifice. You live in a small, you only need, what, a better, an eight by 10 space to live in right. and a bathroom. <laughs> I mean, literally, <laughs> that's all you really need. Um, and even though my space was much larger than that, I mean, I don't, you know, the townhomes in Baltimore, they're old and they're big and they're beautiful. Right. So it just was living like that that allowed me to keep, expanding and getting apartments because if you only have to come up with a hundred dollars a month to live i mean come on now <laughs> and anybody can do that and it's it's still obtainable today if you if you know how to do it right if you know i hate to say it like this but people complain about immigrants <laughs> the immigrants know what to do i mean there's nothing wrong with multiple families sharing space to build um, economic vitality. I right. mean, if if we and and helping each other out. I mean, there was a, I forget where it was a story or something on online somewhere about a, a family that moved into a house and they told the neighbors, "Oh yeah, we're going to fix this up in the next couple of weeks," and all their friends will come over and they help them fix up this house. And so it you know the the immigrants bought a rundown building and they fixed it up and made something made something good out of something that wasn't. And um, we have lost that, uh, for the most part, that helping each other out to grow kind of thing in in our culture in America. We kind of, some of us may shun and look down on immigrants that do that, but we're the lazy Americans that don't (laughs) want to take advantage of doing shit, like making stuff with our hands, you know, literally it doesn't matter if it's perfect or if it has a crack in it or if it's not good you know by the time you if you sheetrock the room by the time you finish the house your your sheetrocking skills will be will be you know better than most right you know and if not it's your house <laughs> who cares yeah. make a design on your wall doesn't everyone wants this cookie cutter let's get it right now and it's perfect attitude and we're paying out the wazoo and we're slaves to this economic machine for that ideal bullshit life. Excuse my French. <laughs> That's all right. That's quite all right. 
Right. I mean, that's the thing. And people don't realize. Uh, and that's what I've been learning from the people that I talk to and everything as well. It's like you can probably live with a lot less. And even yes. as you look at all the people that have earned a bunch of money, they generally, you know, all those people that they, they do generally live below their means. You know, those yeah. they, they find a way to be frugal about uh at least at first, anyway, uh, about what they spend uh, their money on and things. And, um, you know, for example, I'm doing similar things right now. I, uh, back in one of my podcasts, I talked to couchsailors.com. I, I talked to um, Jose and Gina, I believe it was. And, like, they had so many tips about, you know, using Airbnb and all the extra, you know, in their boat, they would rent out their boat and everything else. So I am now currently renting out one of my rooms on Airbnb. And, right. you know, it's like, okay, so I maybe had to pay a little over a hundred bucks, maybe 200 bucks last month for my mortgage from what I got wow. out of it. You know what I mean? Ooh. So so when you Ooh. say it is still possible, I want to sit there and say, you're exactly right. It is still possible. <laughs> you know, I, I live in a townhouse. I have an extra room or two, and I'm thinking about expanding that to rent out one of my other rooms as well because it is totally and completely possible to... Um, and in a way, I also feel as if I'm sort of helping people out, as in... My that room is way cheaper than somebody going and getting a hotel room for the night for however long they're trying to stay there. Um, now, you know, I'm not I'm not giving it away for free or anything like that. But at the same time, um, you know, they're spending half to you know maybe a third of the amount that they would pay by going and staying in a hotel room in Atlanta, right? right so. Right. So you're exactly right. It is still possible. You know, hey, right. hey, people, you you can if you you know if you own a house um, and you have an extra room in it, you can. There is totally a way to you know rent that house out, share your house with uh, people. Well, where did you go to school? You're an engineer, kind of like me, right? I am a construction manager. I went to the University of Maryland Eastern Shore That's and right. studied construction management. I finished in 1992. And worked for a uh, very large national construction company called Whiting Turner, mm -hmm. uh, where I got a great education in how to build shit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I took that and ran with it. <laughs> cool, cool. So you, so did you work? So you got a job with them right after school? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah okay. Yep, right after school. Yep. And how long did you work for them? I didn't work for them long because. Whiting Turner, you know, the WT mm -hmm. is what we what we call them shorthand, you know, WT. And they said they would jokingly say that stands for will travel. And um, they did have me all over the place. So I didn't like that. So eventually it was just about three years. And I went to work for the state of Maryland managing construction projects at uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. OK. And I did that for three years and then I started my business. OK. So what was the business? So we're talking... So six years mm -hmm. after, we're talking like 98 that you started your business? I started my business in 95, 95. Okay. but just did work with friends, you know, little small home improvement slash, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of jobs. And then I quit my job in 1996, no, 97, okay. and did my business full time from 97 
until 2005 when I, I got a little overextended. I was in real estate at the time and uh, hit a hit a bad spell. So I had to go back to work for a couple of years. And so I worked from 2005 to 2010, okay. 2009 for other people. And in 2009, I started the uh, version of my business I have now, which is uh, I and I Construction LLC. Okay, great. So what did you are, – are you doing the same thing now that you did for a few years starting in 97 or is that too – No, in 90, my, my construction company back in the 90s and 2000s was a – I was a general contractor. I performed work. I had carpenters and laborers and different skills, skilled persons that worked for me directly on payroll. And uh, that's called an at-risk contractor. I'm no longer an at-risk contractor. I'm basically a consultant. I've, um, you know, with the downturn of the economy, people were letting senior level people go. And I found a niche where I can charge a little bit more <laughs> for my services, but just do it on a contractual basis. Right. And so basically, I'm I'm just a contractor. I'm a consultant contractor. And I work for different contractors per project or for a fee for a period of time. And, um, you know, a consultant rate is a pretty decent rate. Right. Um, you save up your money and, you know, you might be out of work for a few months, but, you know, it's about relationships and networking. And I've always had a good um, reputation in my field. I did very well at university. I did very well. I want to work for other people. And so just build those relationships and tell people the truth and do your best. And, um, you know, it's worked out for me in that way. So explain to me construction consulting a little bit more. Right. For a hospital system or school or I work for institutions mostly. Okay. And institutions typically don't build stuff all the time. You know, a hospital may expand once every 10 or 15 years. So right. they're not going to have a construction manager on staff. Mm -hmm. So they would have to hire someone like me to advise them to make sure that the contractor's bills are appropriate because there's always change orders and, and, and schedules and stuff like that to work for the hospital to make sure that the contractors aren't taking advantage of the, the, the different you know, owners. And also to sometimes manage the architects because architects are supposed to deliver a product that would cost you know, within a certain range. So we had this one school I was doing in Baltimore that was supposed to be a $35 million school. Well, the architect kept delivering a design that was 40 to $50 million. So, you know, it, it clearly he, 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 the owner can't pay for that design because they can't afford the $50 million school. We need a $35 million school, dude. Why do you keep delivering me this drawing that is, when we have it estimated, it's going to be a $50 million building. So I had to go to New York every week to manage the architect to make sure he was designing something that was within the owner's budget. So there's lots of stuff um, that a construction manager, you know, services they provide. And then there's, of course, there's the regular old, you know, contractor that, you know, builds stuff and manages subcontractors. That's actually what I'm doing now. Gotcha. In my, uh, yeah, my client. Cool. So, yeah. So you wanted to take off and go sailing. Why, um, why did you decide that building your own boat was the way to do it? <laughs> because I'm 
six foot seven and nearly four hundred pounds, and I couldn't take a dump in a regular boat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's I'm not lying. That's about it. I was because I can bend over, I can you know, I can scooch, and but when it came down to it, you just you have. To, Come on now, if you want to cruise on a boat for weeks at a time, you have to be able to take a dump, right? Right, right. yeah, no, I, I hear you, I hear you. And if your legs are sticking out in, into, into, the, into the hallway and you can't shut the door to the head, it's not going to be a, a good cruise at all. Yeah, and for sure. Basic, basically, I just, uh, I did my investigations, I, I saw what a boat that would fit me would cost, and there's no way in the world I was spending $300,000 or more mm-hmm. on a leisure vehicle or you know, pleasure craft. And so, uh, once I began to understand the history of nautical design and who these people were that designed these boats and exactly how we got to where we are, it's basically the same technology that Columbus used. And if that cat could <laughs> come over here and, you know, get lost, think he's going to India. I'm like, Oh, Hey, what is this? <laughs> It's some new stuff. I discovered it. There are people here, but I discovered it. Oh, well. Um, you know, if we're using technology that's basically a thousand years old, I think I fare pretty well, you know, considering just built a half a billion dollar project, you know. Right. <laughs> I think I could fare pretty well doing that. Yeah, I think so. So I wasn't afraid of it. You know, once I studied it and saw that, you know, okay, well, this is what they're doing here. Okay, this is not too too different and then listening to lots of podcasts and listening to um old uh naval nautical nautical um architects and people that have done this before i think of course listening to the parties um when i first got into this years ago um really you know gave me encouragement even though the boat that i'm designing and building is nothing like what they built yeah i think Um, i think it's a little bit bigger than theirs (laughs) <laughs> not just bigger it's well see here's the thing and i forget who who talks like this we can't look at boats in terms of length right you have to look at them in terms of displacement so people mm-hmm. talk about my boat like it's a big huge boat but my boat is basically just like drake paragon's boat mm-hmm. you know paragon is a thirty-six thousand pound boat my boat is thirty-six thousand pounds it's just stretched out right um so you have to look at boats in terms of displacement not really how long they are anymore. And so um, my boat is long because, you know, it's, well, I don't know if you saw the episode with my uh, naval architect who actually talked me into making it even longer Mm -hmm. because it's this concept of fast, skinny boats. Um, The Dashus um, have this concept of fast cruisers. And so um, it's sort of like what the, the, the Volvo boats are. They're just fast and long and they're light. And right. um, not that I build a boat like that because I do want to be a comfortable cruising boat, but the technology and design is such a way that, you know, a longer boat is faster um, and um, can be kindlier in a seaway if you design the bow properly. And so that's what we set of compromises that we settled in on. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the boat and that I could use afford and so once I did my design analysis I did design I started to take off because do for a living take off materials to see what it would cost to build this boat and it came back at like 30 grand I'm like <laughs> are you serious and initially it was a 50 
50 foot boat, just a 50 foot boat. And I'm like, 30 grand. This is for all the building materials, wood, epoxy, you know, all those things, screws, fasteners. Um, this did not include, you know, engine or sail, anything like that, or equipment. Right. But 30 grand, I'm like, oh my God. So if I tripled my material budget for labor, I'm at 90 grand and I've got a 54 foot, half a million dollar sailboat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, I think I'll sign up for that. Right. And that's that's what I did. So I began to invest money and time and resources in the, the design of the boat. And then once we were uh, pretty confident with that, we started building last spring. And so uh, and I'm a year in. Well, that that is this that is great. So what is your budget for the boat, I guess? Is it like $90,000? Well, initially, uh, I, I was thinking Sixty grand will get me, get me a boat, um, with you know no sails and no engine, right? Right. And I'm I'm still there. Sixty grand gets me a boat, no sails, no engine. Um, sails, engine, equipment will get me up to probably close to a hundred thousand dollars. Right. 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 So and, that's the goal. That's, that's the thought. And you'll be able to take a dump in it. Oh my God! I'll have several places. <laughs> <laughs> several places, yeah, yeah. And boats, you know, it's tripping trip me out. The the systems in boats are really. I mean, I don't know how they get away with the stuff. <laughs> I mean, these hoses and these small little things. I'm like, oh no, this this won't work. So my boat will really be built like a. Um, I mean, the the plumbing systems will really be built like a much larger vessel. Um, you know, there won't be any of this hose business. You know, I have real PVC pipe. Um, nice. Yeah, and you can do that when you think about it from the from the jump street. You're not trying to stay within the convention of pleasure craft. I'm doing it like I would be building a building. I mean, there's some things that have to be nautical, of course, mm-hmm. you know, in the way they're done. But, you know, the one of the biggest things we complain about is the smell of a head on a boat. It smells because we've got these hoses. And so... You can have a hose going from the flange of the toilet to the uh, to a pipe, but that can be only maybe two or three feet of hose that you can easily change every couple of years. But to have all of that stuff, you know, it's just I don't know. I don't know why they do it, but it's it's the tradition and it's what they do. But that's not what what I want what I want to do. My question for some of that would be: um, Is it more pliable? If that makes any sense at all. As in, it, as in, like, does the rigidity of it being so? You talk about going from a building and then going to a boat. Well, my different would the difference to me would be well, the boat's moving and maybe getting beat up a little bit more, right? So yeah, those well, a, systems are a getting PVC, vibrating PVC, a little bit more, let's say, or something like that, right? Yes and no. I mean, there is some some logic to that, but. It really comes to the fact that most of the things that are put in boats are aftermarket mm-hmm. afterthoughts. Right. So it's hard to run a fixed pipe. You've got to use something that you can snake. Very true. To get in between things. So that's really the issue. Not that a uh, piece of solid, rigid, Schedule 40 PVC pipe wouldn't have worked because that actually does flex itself. And they have true connectors that allow for fl- deflection and flexing. So that's not really the issue either. Right. So it's really the f- fact that um, probably the first guy that put a toilet in the boat, it was a 100-year-old boat, and he said, let me put a toilet in. 
So he, <laughs> he had to use hose. And then everybody else was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll just use this hose. And ah, who knows why, but... Well, and you know, even, even nowadays, I mean, a lot of the boats come from the factory without... I Okay, may, they, they probably come with a head in them, I'll say that. But they come without a lot of the other systems or things that you might want in them. Right. So you might have to... You know, you go buy a brand new boat right off the line, hole number one or hole number two, and then they say, well, okay, if you want all these things in it, which might be, I don't know, things that you don't need, but like a water maker. You don't need a water maker, so there's not one in there, but most people would like water makers, right? right? Or, you know... And solar power or electric stuff or whatever else that it is. Um, basically, you have to go and add those things after market to the boat. And it makes sense. They Well, they didn't design the boat to put those things in there where you wanted them necessarily. So now we're going to fle- put flexible things in there. Uh, that, right. yep. uh, but it, it sounds like, so do you have all of those things planned out for your boat so far? Yeah, Teddy. If we were local, I could. Or we, if if we would have done Skype on the computer, I could have ran you through dozens of sheets of of plans that show you. Uh, I've got t- t- tanks plans, and nice. I mean, you know, because I want to be a cruising boat, so I want nearly two hundred gallons or more mm-hmm. uh, to be able to carry food. Of, um, sorry, water and fuel. Um, and even though I plan to have a water maker. I've still strategically planned to be able to carry lots of water just in case, you know, I, you know, I don't can't can't do a water maker or if the water maker fails right. or something like that. So I've strategically planned these things out, um, tanks and where the systems are running, where where the seacocks are going to be. Like, there's one thing I don't like about boats where the seacocks, you don't know where the hell the seacocks are going to be. So. In my boat, I've designed a, and I'm, maybe I shouldn't tell this, <laughs> but I, I think I've seen this before, so I might be safe. I've designed it so that all the seacocks are going to be in two locations, mm-hmm. one on port, one on starboard. Right. And basically, um, the hull of the boat will not be wood at that location. It'll be starboard or some other kind of um, synthetic material, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have to worry about rot there. It'll be super reinforced and thick. And basically, um, it'll be a bulkhead on all four sides. So if there's ever a leak of the seacock, mm-hmm. um, the the sole of the floor will be fastened in such a way that that area just gets sealed off. Gotcha. So okay. it, it can't leak into the boat. Right. Right. Um, nice. The only thing I, I'm not clear with yet is at the sinks. There'll be three sinks in this boat. Um one in each of the heads and one in the kitchen. So at the sinks, I don't know if I want a direct overboard discharge or if I want to go to a tank that needs to be pumped out. You know, I'm still working through, you know, there's there's a compromise. If I do a tank, then I've always got to be worrying about pumping that out. If, but and if I do the direct overboard discharge, then I've got to worry about something happening there. But it'll only be three locations that I have to deal with. So, right. um, yeah. So I, as long as I know where those are, maybe... But I don't know. <laughs> cool. I've, I've listening to Andy, um, mm-hmm. you know, his tale last year of when his boat got knocked down or his dad's boats got knocked down. Right. And the one guy had the quick, quick, quick thought of mind to go and turn the seacock off at the sink because he saw the water flooding in from the sink. Sure. That, you know, gave me pause. Like, like, hmm, 
maybe I don't want that right <laughs> overboard discharge. Maybe I do want to just go to a tank and you know right. make sure I always pump that out. So it's it's you know it's always a compromise with design. Right. Have have right. one have one thing to turn off instead of three holes in your boat to work to worry about. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Or one location where they are. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I got you. Uh. Well, it's good. You are. Uh. You're getting. You're getting there at the moment. You got how many? You got most of the frames built so far. Is that is that oh, true? Yeah, I've got uh, out of the thirty-three frames, um, twenty-nine are built. Okay. Um, or have been have been, um, cut. Now, <laughs> I haven't glued them together yet because I keep changing how I want to do this thing. I keep saying I'm going to build them all and then put them all on. But now I've just decided that the way I really want to do this, I want to build it and put them on at the same time. And so I really need to get this tarp situation taken care of. And I don't know if you noticed my struggle with uh, my municipality here, but I can't build a roof without getting a different level of building permit that was much more expensive and running into a whole bunch of other drama. So I essentially can only have mast and, and drape a tarp over off those masks and really technically that only can be temporary you have to get a permit to have a permanent uh tent in your own yard and you know that's not what my permit is for so i've been working with this solution today actually as soon as i got him up and made that video an hour later we had a deluge it rained and poured cats and dogs and it held up pretty well, well i had yeah yeah i had a couple of pockets of water but i took a stick and pushed up on the tarp and they dumped over the side and so I saw where I need a few more lines. It's basically, I just need to have more lines holding the tarp taut. Um, but the pitch was great. Everything's working fine. So I think I finally got that issue resolved. I just need to go get some more rope. I ran out of rope online again. Yeah, right. I got you. Um, but yeah, so getting that done and getting that place under shade will, will, will lend itself to being a lot more productive. But uh, there's, I guess there's two things um, we want to talk about. One was the budget, right? Sure. Because uh, it's a sale. And basically, the way I looked at it as, you know, if I have some discretionary income, you know, um, at the time, I, was, I had a very expensive car, which was sort of a crisis that got paid off. So I said, I'll take that money, which is almost $800. I'll split that towards the boat. Now, that could be a boat mortgage if I added some more to that, right? Um, or I could just invest that in building. So I said, well, if I could at least do a thousand, maybe two thousand dollars a month, you know, in this project, that's twenty four thousand dollars a year, you know. So in a couple of years, I will have have enough money to build the boat, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So I saw economically that it's definitely feasible, but. The first thing I had to do was make sure I had a place to build it that I could work. Because I know if this thing was somewhere 100 miles away, I'd never get to it. You know, it's, it's in my backyard now. And it's always, it's, it's sometimes weeks now where I don't get outside and work on it. Right. So I could imagine if it was a, a hassle to get to it. And so you know, that's why it's in my yard. And I didn't have to pay any place to build this boat, which could have been another $1,000 a month for a boat this size. Um, and, and that's... You know, that's basically the plan. It's it's doing some studying, doing some reading, um, 
uh, and I, I will say everybody can't design a boat, but there are plenty of naval architects out there who already have boats that are well-designed that could fit the average person. This is that me being so tall, I wanted to have seven foot um, ceiling clearance throughout the boat and nobody designs a boat with seven foot clearance <laughs> again, unless it's, you know, a half million dollar oyster or I'm sorry, half million, a million dollar oyster <laughs> right? or smell or something like that. Um, and those boats are GRP and they're not wood. So that that's a whole different thing. So to be able to build this boat out of uh, conventional methods using plywood and stick frames with gussets and it's a hard chine. So there are no complex curves. Um, the plywood only has to bend one way. Um, and I, I really can't wait to see this thing come together because um, I think it's going to be a really nice looking boat on the water. It's you, you might not be able to tell it's too much of a hard chine at first. Um, or that it's a homemade boat, but um, you know we'll see. I, I'm 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 hopeful. Yeah. Uh, naval architect Eric Dijon was really, um, I don't know if you. That's another video up there, but he was really pleased with my stability, and he thinks the boat's going to be great. And oh, we just need to we just need to do it <laughs> and yeah. get it done. Yeah. And the second thing is time frame. Mm-hmm. I don't care how long it takes. So people on my YouTube channel, how long is this going to be? I can't wait to see progress. You know, sometimes I just want to be like, okay, well, tune in in three years and you'll <laughs> see some progress. But it's basically, it's going to take how long it takes and it's going to cost what it's going to cost because I'm enjoying this journey. The problem solving, like I was just downstairs and I was in deep thought. My daughter said, what are you thinking? I'm like, yes, I'm thinking about <laughs> a way to make this tarp taut, you right. know? And so just the problem solving of it, I think is just exciting. I, I love it. I love the challenge of it. And, um, it's just, it's just great. I don't know. It's not for everybody. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but er- anyone can build a boat. Like literally, I'm not lying. Anyone can build a boat. Um, there are lots of podcasts and videos from people who had no skills at whatsoever, who can, who are building boats. You don't have to be a millionaire to build these boat people. Listen to me. I'm building a half a million dollar boat, literally the boat itself for about 40 grand Mm -hmm. other than, you know, when I have to pay people to help me, you know, you could build a very reasonable 32 foot boat, you know, uh, for a lot less than you're going to build these. And I mean, we have to in this country have the, the philosophy that we can do stuff again. It's not just about, you know, paying someone else to do it for you, but literally doing it yourself and making your way and living your dream. It's doable. Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, I, okay. I could build a boat, I guess. (laughs) I guess. You could. You could. Now, some, you know, first boat, first boat build for your enemy, the second one for your friend, the third one's for yourself. So I don't know if you noticed, but I build, I have, I have a small well, well, right. built. So, so, you're, so, you're, so your dinghy's for your enemy? Yes, yeah, so let me give that to my enemy. And oh, I guess, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one. I, I guess I have to build another boat before I finish my, my big boat to oh. say that was for my friend. Right. There you go. There you go. I, I'm not sitting here saying that I cannot build a boat. I totally agree with you. I can build. I mean, I have confidence in my abilities to do the things that you're doing. The thing is, I, 
you know, I don't have a backyard where I can, you know, I, I live in a townhouse community where the H, the homeowners association would not, would definitely not allow me to build <laughs> any type of work area or um, tarp type system that you have or anything like that. So you've got a decent location for it as well. You've got the backyard enough. And in the beginning, I was like, oh, sweet. You know, it seemed like you did your due diligence in, you know, going and making sure that you could put a tarp up behind your house. And then that it kind of ended up that uh, that didn't work out as well for you when yeah, somebody was, when, when an inspector came across the street or something like that. Right. It was astounding to see how the left hand didn't talk to the right at the city. Yeah. Um, even once I had gotten, you know, the, the stop work notice, um, it was totally disconnected. Like when we were talking about a boat with the, the um, to get a building permit, but they said, Oh, well, yeah, you could build this all you want, but um, you can have a boat, but first you need a permit to have a boat. And then you go to find out that you need a zoning variance. I had to have a hearing and all. It was just, it was, you know, it was just crazy how the, to explain to people what you're doing that have no concept of what you're doing. And so the only way that I literally, could have said I'm building a strong back and gotten away with it. Well, I would have had to gotten an engineer to say, yes, this this thing that he's building is right for the use. They would have had to stamp it and and you know approve right. it from an engineer, then take it downtown and be like, oh, okay, well, if it's got an engineering staff on it, our liability's done. <laughs> so sure. Build whatever the hell it is on this thing that we don't understand what it is. Um and I, you know, I could have done that. I just didn't want to do it so I, I made a compromise with the city and um you know basically i can have a deck but right. can't have a roof on it so um and i've got to you know pay my fee every so often to maintain the building permit while i'm building this thing right um but you know you live and you learn i mean and i look at this as life has just thrown me some amazing challenges. I've had a very good life. I have a very good life. And, you know, the first one started off in 2014 when I had a pulmonary embolism. Whoa. And, yeah, yeah, you know, I could have died at my desk. And, you know, luckily I knew my family had a history of blood clots. And so I went to the hospital and told them. And they said, oh, yeah, blood clot in your lung, buddy. And, you know, I was home in three days and, you know, went through that. And and then... um the next, you know, following fall, losing my mom, and um, also got a, my divorce was finalized last year, and mm-hmm. um, my girlfriend at the time, I had the one that actually introduced me to sailing. We broke up. Right. Uh, it's just Teddy. When I tell you, brother, it when it rains, it pours. It rains, it pours, and um, had found out I had some arthritis last year. It's just you know lots of challenges, but. Through it all, you know, having to stick to itiveness to just start it again and start working on it again, and um, having gone through, I was I've been really sort of depressed lately, thinking about my mom and my daughter graduating, and my mom not seeing my daughter graduate. Right. Remember, I took care of my mom. She was like a, mm-hmm. a co-parent, not just the grandmother you see on holidays or Sundays, but she was here every day when my right. kids got here, and. It. I was very sad the last couple of couple of weeks, and so I didn't work a lot, and I um, was missing her, and um, literally decided that I needed to go talk to somebody. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> no problem with that. So I, I started seeing a therapist about 
uh, grief, grief counseling. And yeah. so working through that because I had never, when my father died a decade or so ago, I was sad, mm-hmm. but not like this, not to the point where I was literally, you know, sobbing, missing my mom. And that, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. You know, my mother was, is a beautiful spirit and I, and I miss her and I'm mm-hmm. sad that she's not here to see her, my her granddaughter and her grandson graduate this year and um, part and, and all that's going on in our lives. And so uh, and that has been a process because, you know, grief can, you know, it can hit you like a ton of bricks and where you just stay in a bed or you get depressed. And so um, that has been a struggle in and of itself. But, you know, I've been able to, you know, God is good and I've been able to work through it and, you know, talk about it. And, you know, even this, Right here is therapeutic, yep. you know, in terms of talking about it and getting over it, and maybe helping someone else who's going through something else. Because that's one thing we all go through this stuff, man, and we all have these stories and we all have these challenges. And so to hear someone that's been through the things that I've been through, but I'm still determined to build this boat. Hopefully, someone out there that's going through something themselves um, can say, "Hey, you know, Kamal did it. You know, Teddy J is moving on. You know." I can do the same thing too, and I can move on, and I can live my dreams, and I can be happy because ultimately that's what it's that's what it's about, you know, being happy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I completely agree, and and I and I think that's a good idea. Uh, by the way, Kamau, um, I went to counseling. I still go, you know, and just because it's it's interesting to talk to people or somebody about uh, some of those things and uh, get perspectives of people and and everything else so if you ever want to talk uh we 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 can talk so yeah and i and i think it's great i i think it's really uh fantastic that you uh decided to say hey i i can do this i i have the space to do it i have the you know here's how the here's how the breakdown of the money works out and 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 everything else and and you're doing it and and that is inspiring and uh and and absolutely amazing so uh my question all right i'm not gonna ask you when because you've already said who knows (laughs) but 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 when you do uh, well okay first i have several questions actually how much of it are you gonna do in your backyard and how the heck are you gonna get like the hall to the next location that you need to get it to in in order to the boatyard, whatever else, in order to do the rest of the work on it. Well, the easiest thing to say is I can hire a crane. I can hire a crane and they can lift it up and put it on the trailer. Okay. But what I think I'm going to do is literally just build a trailer in place and pull it up. Hook it up to some truck <laughs> and drive it to the marina or the, the boatyard that I've, that I've chosen. I mean, it's literally just that easy. Um, now it's, it's, it sounds, it is easy, but it, of course there's a lot of sweat in there. Um, basically, you know, being able to build a building out of the dirt shows you that you can do whatever you want. It's about budget and staging and logistics, right? So the issue on that side of my yard is that the ground is unlevel, which is why I have that strong back like that anyway. So once, let's say what I plan to build here is the hull. I plan to do most of the systems, right, to get them in place, the 
the plumbing and, you know, of course, get all the bulkheads built and all the cabins and so forth, doors and cabinetry, all that kind of stuff I want done here. Um, I cannot build my pilot house here. Mm-hmm. I cannot build my my keel here. Um, those have to be built at the boatyard because the city has a 13 foot six height requirement that you have to be under without getting a special permit to travel on the highway. Mm-hmm. So I need to keep my, my vessel under that dimension while it's here. And so the boat itself, the hull itself is nine feet high from the bottom of the Kielsen to the top of the deck. So I add a doghouse, which would be another two feet, 11 feet. By the time I'm on a trailer, now I'm at 13 feet. So it's getting pretty close, right? Um, so I have to keep it pretty, pretty minimal. So the idea is to literally build a trailer here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, tube steel, six inch tube steel, a four inch tube steel uh, trailer uh, with, with axle, with lights. Um, and literally get a did you see the picture with oh, the video with the dump truck dumping stone it was like i'm getting stoned in my boatyard i did i did grab yeah the only reason why, yes. why i asked you is because uh, you know i could have you know when i'm all said and done i could hook my boat to that dump truck and that dump truck could drive my trailer to the boat dock. Mm-hmm. so my my estimate for the trailer is probably eight hundred dollars worth of steel it's the the most expensive things would be the brakes. I think I need air brakes for that. Um, so I'm probably two, three thousand dollars in for the trailer itself, mm-hmm. and um, that'll be it. You know, it'll it'll <laughs> uh, when I build the trailer, I will have to figure out. I don't know how now. Um, how I'm going to slowly lower the boat down on the trailer and pull it forward because the ground is slanted. I may have to actually literally build up soil. I may have to um, drive some type of um, steel into the ground, put put battens across it, and fill it with stone to kind of level the ground so while the while the truck pulls it off. Uh, you know, all that stuff is easily mitigated. It's just time and labor. So, um, you know, it's it's money. It's if I had to do that, it would probably be. Um, couple more thousand dollars or i could use some kind of sled system and just pull the boat forward onto the trailer uh, where i now park my car which is level ground um that's something i also thought of um, which would not be that difficult to do but it would just be also um staging and getting it done properly and of course moving the boat out of here is going to be a a massive effort i have to get a permit from the city to block the street off and Get my let my neighbors know and you know post stuff and the street would have to be clear and when that at that day actually comes to get the thing out of here. But um, the wires in front of my house are probably thirty feet in the air, so that's not a big problem. Um, but it will take some staging to do. But you know, it's it's what we do in my business all, all the time. So right. Okay. Uh, it sounds like yeah. you've thought about all that a little bit anyway, and you're like, hey, I deal with this stuff on an everyday basis, so it yeah, can, it can be just, done, you know? Um, another thing I'll do is just talk to somebody that does rigging. People that move equipment, heavy equipment, mm-hmm. know how to get heavy stuff into tight spaces. You know, I'll talk to somebody yeah. who 
does that and they're paying us what would be the best way to do it. But essentially, I'm going to build a trailer. Um, or, like I said, if I could find a book that's um, reasonable, you know, because I'm not trying to pay $20,000 to move this boat five miles. Right. <laughs> you know, I definitely don't want to do that. But um, but I think I can, I can, you know, do something simple. I mean, people move houses, you know. Sure. People literally lift houses up and move them down the street. So this is not that difficult. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing about it is, Teddy, the boat's not that heavy. That's one reason um, I know I can do it. I think my final design weight is about 24,000 pounds. Okay. Now, that's with um, all the equipment in it and everything. So, and then it has 10, 10 to 12,000 pounds of ballast and tanks. So, um, literally, uh, you know, 20,000 20, pounds, it's heavy, but it's not that heavy. I mean, to move, you know, when you think about it, think about what an RV would be. I mean, it would be a heavy-ass RV, but right. <laughs> it's still not that difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, my other question uh, back then was, what is your... Do you do you have a sailing or cruising plan when you when you get this thing in the water? Where are you going? Well, my plan, you know, I want to live in a marina locally for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've been hearing about Airbnb. You know, the first person I heard about talk about it was Andy, mm-hmm. Andy Shell. Yep. And you know, I have a friend that just went to Europe and used Airbnb. One of my fraternity brothers. Um, and uh, that's something I'm strongly considering. I have an entire apartment in my home right. that used to be mother's apartment. I literally could get that rent that apartment now for regular, you know, regular rental. It's a two bedroom apartment. I probably could get eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month for that apartment now. Sure, that could add to the cruising kitty. Um, if I move to the marina, that marina I want to live at. Is downtown Baltimore. It's uh, eight thousand dollars a year, right? Um, and I could rent my house. Yeah, for <laughs> I mean, sure. the entire house. The, the 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 apartment downstairs would be separate, so I could probably rent my house, which is uh, one, two, three, four, five bedrooms, three baths, three and a half, one, two, three and a half baths. The upstairs portion. Mm-hmm. Um, could probably rent for twenty four hundred dollars easily a month. So uh, you know, I could net um, twenty four plus a thousand, like thirty four hundred a month from this house. Well, that's mm-hmm. gross. And then mortgage uh, fifteen. So I could make two G's a month clear right. by just renting my house, um, which is also part of the plan. And I, I have I belong to an investment group, and we've got these houses we're looking at now, group of houses we're trying to buy. And so my plan is to get some more rental properties uh, before I cut 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 the lines or, right. Right. <laughs> and sail away. And I don't need – I mean, you don't need much cruising. I mean, like I said, if you can – you got two grand a month, I think you're – for two people, you're probably, you know, for what the kind of cruising I want to do, you're probably in there. Right. And, you know, for saving as well. And the beautiful thing about it is I love building stuff. So literally, the reason why I really want to cruise is I really want to find a place where I can live and retire. Like that's cheaper than in the <laughs> United States. And I want to start a business overseas somewhere. I don't know where. I'm either thinking about the Caribbean or maybe even Belize. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
you know, like the parties did. I mean, they went to New Zealand and set up camp. So I'm, I'm looking for that kind of adventure. I, you know, live on my boat and build a homestead and retire somewhere and, you know, sip coconut juice. I, I don't know, but I'm open to where, you know, the spirit leads me. And, um, you know, I have faith that it's going to be a, a beautiful place, you know, where I go. Yeah. Well, well you have answered many of my questions with that answer to tell you the truth i was gonna get into um how you might afford things so you you do not necessarily plan on keeping or staying in the uh construction management consultants business while you're on your boat um i might i had a job one time where i had a client it was a hospital in cleveland Mm -hmm. and it was a half a billion dollar construction program and I had to be in Cleveland once every other week. And I could be anywhere else in the world except for those Tuesdays when I had my meetings with my owner. As long as I had internet access and I had a, a telephone, I could work. And instead of one time, I, <laughs> I went to Jamaica and I worked from Jamaica. I mean, it literally opened my eyes to like, why? I, you can sit behind a desk nine to five, but that desk could be in a beautiful place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, and that so, and that's that's what I'm trying to get across to people. Some you know sometimes is especially with our level of connectivity. Some you know around here now you might not you might not be able to be in the middle of the Atlantic or the Pacific or whatever, uh, but you might and you might not want to be online and connected okay. and all that other stuff either. But you could be in a beautiful place and like you said in Jamaica. Now, you were working or doing some sort of work somehow, but there were palm trees <laughs> and it was warm. It wasn't snowing no, on I, you, you know, you or know, whatever. I, I kept on my breakfast schedule. I logged in by nine. Mm-hmm. I took my lunch break was maybe a little bit longer. And then I, you know, I maybe logged back in one, one thirty and worked the afternoon. And But my sundowner was literally, you know, five o'clock. And yeah. it was wonderful. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. So the the point is, I want to contribute to this world. I want to leave this world better than I found it. Where I have I have skills that are transferable. You know, I'm 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 articulate. I can teach. I can teach people how to build shit. Right. <laughs> sure. The skills of construction management. I mean, it's it, they're transferable, and so I'm not afraid to venture out into someone else's economy and say, "Here, you know, here I am. Let me help." Um, a very highly technical thing that I can do, and that's always sought after. I mean, even using the the systems that we use in construction management, the software and all that crap is, you know, I could I could teach that online somewhere. And so, you know, the simple fact is to offer yourself up to the world, you know, of, to be of service, and someone will find you and you know use you as long as you're, I think, a good personality, you know, good good character, you know, in Yoruba we call it iwapele. Iwapele, you know, good character. You you carry that around, and you know, who want to to use you for what your services are. You know? That's what I believe. I think that's true. Yeah, I I completely agree. Me and you are of uh, we're we're kind of very similar in our thinking about that. You know, and yeah, the, so the thing about the world is, Teddy, whatever you want, you know, and again, not to tout any religion, right? But you know, like. The Bible it says, you know, uh, in the beginning there was the word, where it was made flesh, right? And it talks about in lots of ancient traditions ab- about um, 
creation speaking itself into existence, you know, by saying it, the utterance, the power of utterance. So when we have our dreams and our aspirations, all we have to do is thank them and then speak them mm-hmm. and then begin to look for ways to make it come true. And it will happen. You could have nothing like that. I see some of these people on, on YouTube. They have not a pot to piss in, but they're on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing it like literally nothing. But so the point is to have the will to do something. Right. Don't be afraid because if you don't ever utter or put the thought or the energy into the universe, it won't ever happen. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to at least think it and say it and see and visualize that it can be. So like for you, you're in Atlanta. Yeah, you may not be able to find a place, but there's probably somebody in your audience right now that could rent you a place to do something for you know, peddlance, but offer yourself. You don't put the need out. It won't ever come. Oh, sure. So the idea is to have the, the, the idea that it can happen. Like, okay, we'll find a way to make this happen. And it, you know, if you stick to it, things often will find a way to work out. That's what I found. I, I completely agree with you. And it's kind of funny that you say that, uh, because the podcast that I last put out and then I have people get in touch with me and say, hey, you might be able to come up here or I know this person yeah. over here yeah. or whatever else. If you're trying to get to the coast somewhere, there might be this over here. Yeah. And I am at, and I'm starting to look into all of those options and basically make it happen. Right. And it could happen much quicker than maybe I even planned on it happening. So, um, so it's, it's kind of, it's pretty fantastic, but let's go to your little, uh, you put out a video a couple weeks ago that was protect your dreams. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What people do you tell and what people don't you tell? Well, you know, and there were there were very good comments there because if you listen to what I just said about speaking your dream and putting it out there into the ethos so that it becomes real, you've you've got to speak it, right? Right. I, I think what I've learned from that was, even though I was quite well studied and versed in what I was doing, I had forgotten it. Right? I had forgotten how I had gotten to where I was, and so that person. You're putting that little bit of thought, a little bit of doubt in my spirit was actually pretty good because it, it, had, it had me to reinforce or to buttress up what I already knew, right. knew to be true. And, you know, that was that was kind of OK. But I think to the greater point is if you feel like you're exposing yourself and people are becoming uh, uh, negative to the point where you begin to question yourself, you've got to sometimes pull back and. Um, you can you can still speak it, but when someone else comes to rebut or to add whatever, you just, you have to be thick skinned and ignore it, or just pull yourself out of the conversation because you don't want that negative energy to to influence what you what you're doing or what you're trying to do or what you're working on. So, um, I, I clearly I'm on a podcast, and I'm sure you've got <laughs> thousands of listeners, so I'm I'm not a, a withering flower in terms of what I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think it was something about that conversation, and he was an he was an elder. You know, you know, I'm I, I love elders, and uh, you know, respect them for you know what they've done and they've been here. So I kind of gave him a listening ear, and it kind of just sat in a little while. And I had to 
you know, strengthen myself again. That won't happen anymore, you know, because <laughs> I've been there, done that. Now I have that lesson to draw back on. Oh yeah, okay, this is a person that doesn't understand. So I'll, I'll, I'll just say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be be kind, but still stand firm in what I know to be true. Um, but you you have to share with some people. You know, it's I think it's up to the individual as to you know who they share with and how much they expose themselves. But I, I think you can protect your your dreams especially when you're just getting started like you know you know like you're doing you know you you've got something fantastic in the works i'm sure i can hear it (laughs) and you're not putting it out there yet because you gotta you know you've planted that seed and you gotta fertilize it and water it you have to protect it you have to protect it from the the birds that are going to try to come in and eat it and you've got to protect it from sunlight that may be too harsh you've got to protect it from other uh 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 weeds that'll grow and try to choke the life out of what you just planted so um but once it starts to sprout and grow it'll it'll you know grow tall and provide shade and fruit so right. you know I, I can't get to hear you know what it is that you're going to, which, that you're planning to do but you know in the beginning stages you've got to protect it like you know, i didn't run out and tell a bunch of people at first when i went to that first boat show with my first set of blueprints and had the nerve to walk up to you know world renowned designers and um uh, Don Street and Lee Chestnow and talk to these people and show them my boat design. You know, I didn't come out and say, Hey, this is a boat I've designed. What do you think? I said, you know, I'm considering having this boat built. What are your what are your opinions of this boat? And they looked at it and gave me their opinions and they said, Well, who's the architect? And then I said, Oh, it's me. And they were <laughs> You know, like, wow, <laughs> you know, this is amazing for a person that's not a trained naval architect. And that gave encouragement, you see. But yeah, I, I didn't just tout it out like that. I had to, you know, humble myself and see where, where it would go first. And uh, you, I think you definitely have to protect it. But at some point, you know, let that thing grow and, and be proud of what you're doing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think what you're doing is, like I said, it's awesome. I want to also add this. The reason that you know I've ch- I changed my YouTube to Iron Eye Boats mm-hmm. is because I, I have a business now, Iron Eye Boats. And right. what I'd like to do, what I, what, I, what I want to market myself to do, is to help people do the same thing I'm doing, um, if not manage their refits or construction projects. What I'd love to do, there are lots of boats that regular people can fit in, you know, people that aren't six, seven, <laughs> right. that are sitting there for pickings. And instead of going at these boats, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say half to ass, but it's with the expectation things are going to be fine. I think, you know, you find yourself a nice and you gut it. I mean, back down to the fiberglass and build what you want. New systems, new electronics. Um, I, that's what I would do if I could have, you know, found the nice, right kind of boat that would um, pay as you go kind of budget. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I think that's definitely a, a, a something people should do, should look into. Um, I'd definitely be willing to, you know, redesign boats for folks and show them how to do this. It's not that difficult. And I think it's much better if you if you think about it, you look at all these videos of everybody, like Annie Dyke, yeah. oh, they broke my heart. What happened with their keel step? I was right. like, oh my God, they were out there and it was rotten to yeah. the core. I mean, I, I, you know, thank God nothing happened to them while they were out there, but they spent all that money on that boat and then had to, you know, they're doing this, you know, huge refit. Like, you know, buy a boat that's got good bones, 
and gutted, man. That's that's what I would do, you know. It yeah, because it's, and especially with that situation, you know, you get a good survey and all that other stuff, and they they went through the correct process of of doing what everybody says to do to you know get a boat and refit the boat, but there's something that's hidden somewhere that yeah you yeah. know I you, mean, you got something that's sitting in the water for twenty thirty years. Yeah, I, I definitely would encourage people to to. You know, let's go find a good hole for ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and let's gut it and build you a new boat. Right on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, on Saturday, build yeah. a boat Saturday. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I was going to ask you about that too because you sort of mentioned that a little bit in your podcast with Andy, uh, anyway, and um, you know that that maybe you go into building boats or or something like that. But it sounds like you have it sounds like you have a bunch of ideas and plans. In a dream world, in a dream world, my boat's done 2020. Mm -hmm. I enter it into the Annapolis Boat Show, Spring Boat Show, and I take ten orders for new boats (laughs) 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 from from a bunch of tall people that can't fit on those other boats. Like that's that would be awesome. That'd be awesome. That's what happens. And I set up shop in Belize and we build these boats. Very good. Belize. That's, that's, in a good. Per- that's in a perfect world. See, I shouldn't have mentioned that. Uh, well, <laughs> well, if you want me to that's take that, that out, I will take that out. Uh, but well, uh, yeah. You'll have to take it out. But believe me, when, it, when people want to tell you that I've got dreams and aspirations, I've got dreams and aspirations. Um, right. You know, building a boat isn't, no one needs a boat. But I definitely. It's too much cookie cutter stuff out there. And when my boat is in the water and people will be able to walk on this boat and see it, I think it'll just like, wow. To some people who like things that are different. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen Follow the Boat? I have, yes. I, I have seen some of his uh, videos, but yes, okay. uh, I have. They they did a refit on their boat and right. they use all kinds of different colors and laminates. I mean, uh, I was really encouraged by what they did to their boat. Um, right. Of course, now they found out their engine was shot a year later. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, just different, like oranges and greens and stuff. I mean, I, my, I don't want my, my boat's not going to look shippy, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be a, a sterile, you know, New York apartment like some of the more new modern designs out there. It's going to be, you know, it's it's going to reflect me, first of all, but... Um, just the size and height of it and the light and the technology and how simple it is. Uh, and I hope it's, oh, I had a dream the other day that I was just cruising <laughs> and, you know, it was making hull speed full sail. Like the way that we designed this boat, I can carry crazy amounts of sail. Like mm-hmm. um, the stability was just ridiculous. So my goal is to be able to reach Full speed at 20 knots with full sail, you know, and that's just the the Genoa and the uh, the mainsail. And my whole theoretical hull speed is right around 10 knots with only about 10 degrees of heel. Nice, that's fantastic. Yeah, the stability platform we're talking about, baby. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great. I think we need to get more people into sailing, and I yeah. want to and I want to help you get more people into sailing in order for you to sell more sailboats, Kamal. How's that? <laughs> Teddy J and Kamal sailboats. Pick one up. <laughs> right on, right on. 
Yeah, I want you to be. I want you to be able to build your sailboats for people if they want them, Kamau. And I want those ten people to come fulfill that dream for you. That would be awesome. I guess. I guess that's what yeah, I'm saying. Is I think as I think it's fantastic. I want you to help people do something with their existing boat. Um, right. You know, there's just so much out there. You, you offer yourself. You show your competency, mm-hmm. and hopefully, someone will find value in that. And so. That's what I'm doing. I mean, reaching out to you, one, because I heard you on Andy, and I love your podcast now. It's become one of my favorite. Um, oh, well, thank man, you. Steve. What's up, Steve? Oh, yeah. yeah. What's <laughs> up, Steve? I did. I had, yeah. a, I had a, Steve and I met the other day. We're talking about Steve um, from the Sailing Road, uh, by the way, the Sailing Road podcast. And uh, yeah. yeah. He, brought, he reached out to me offline about some stuff and it was really endearing to me and uh, you know people do that i really appreciate it you know it it, it, it means a lot yeah uh he did the same yeah. thing with me and um and we actually talked all offline we're not going to put a podcast out about what we talked about we talked about podcasting and stuff like that but uh it was like, a nice it was a nice it. chat with steve uh he was in the <laughs> atlanta area and so we got together and grabbed grabbed a grabbed a beer so it was, sounds like you talked about women <laughs> no 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 but uh but uh oh, oh you know uh he's engaged now to brandy congratulations on, on their engagement and all that stuff so and you're, there's a bunch of people what, what we really need to do we did discuss this a little bit by the way come out and i know you discussed this as well with jeff uh jeffrey wedding on his on Jeffrey's shooting shooting the breeze podcast, we need to like all get together at some point in time. All of us podcasters, and uh, you know, you have your YouTube page and all, uh, or YouTube channel and all that other stuff. And uh, we were we kind of got to talking about, hey, we should all just uh, get together and chat sometime. Maybe at the uh, maybe at the Annapolis sailboat show in October. We'll see what happens. Have Let's you have happens. you been to the to the Netflix show? No, I have not yet been. And oh. life life is a little crazy sometimes. I want to try and go yeah. this year, but it's always you know. I heard Jeffrey on his podcast on his last podcast talk about work and how he works every other weekend and stuff like that. And, uh, my brother's wedding is the weekend before the Annapolis sailboat show, so I you know it's like I'm taking days off before and possibly after his wedding the question is can i take days off or a friday off or can i get up to the sailboat show the next weekend and one of my co-workers is out of town as well so whatever it's it's i want to go and i want to look at my employer and say i don't i don't really care i'm gonna gonna go to the sailboat show and That's you can do whatever want you want but, you about you. <laughs> but uh on, on uh, one of your recent podcasts you talked about not being able to get away because your job is so critical, mission critical to what your business does. Mm-hmm. I don't know if your business allows for you to be like an entrepreneur, like basically a 1099 employee. For a grown person, a grown human being, I have to ask another human being, may I? Just reeks yeah, right. of servitude. <laughs> To me, in my in my head, in my ethos of what a human being is, you're not asking to be paid for that time necessarily. Or maybe if you are, maybe you shouldn't. But to be able to do something in your life, you sh- a grown person should not have to ask permission. We should say, "This is what I'd like to do. How can we make this happen?" Right. So you're a wonderful person. I'm sure there's place else that will value you <laughs> as a human being that will allow you to do things. 
like that. That's you know, there are all these people in, in this in this genre of sailing that have finally said, forget society, I'm gonna live the way I wanna live. And boss, <laughs> you're gonna have to deal with it, or right. someone else is gonna value me. And you've got to value yourself to say that this is what I bring to the table. I'm not going to ask permission to go to a wedding and to take a two days off to go to something that is a, a passion of mine. I'm not asking you to be paid for it, but this is about like too. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, man. I'm I, sorry. <laughs> I, no, it's cool. I completely agree with you, which is why I'm just looking at it right now and saying to hell with it. I don't really care what he says. I'm going to go anyway, but, you know what? What what do surgeons do when they're on call? They've got to be within ten minutes of the hospital that yeah, they're on call that's at. What they're you know what call. I mean? Well, you know? I mean, <laughs> it, it 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 is current. That weekend is currently listed as my quote unquote oh, call okay. weekend. You know what I mean? But there's a little bit of contention with that as well. Come out, but anyway. So if I'm on call, can I still look at him and say, "Screw it, I'm out." You know, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to be here anyway. You're gonna you're gonna have to you know. You're going to have to put yourself on call that weekend, boss. Let, let, you know? let me share this with you. I, I work as part of a team on a project, two projects, matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And they're very fast-paced construction now. And usually the team is required to work weekends. Right. And so the one of the, one of the senior leaders put me on this rotation for the weekend. And I had to tell him, I can't work weekends right now. I didn't give him a reason, but my reason is my mother just passed. I'm already working out the wazoo during the week. The weekend belonged to my family. Right. And that's it. You know, my daughter's getting ready to go away to college this summer is my last summer with my daughter in my house. She may never live at home again. She may go out and find a career and, you know, and this would be it. So this next three months is it. Yeah. And I'm going to spend every second that belongs to them with them period i'll resume weekend a weekend schedule in a couple of months but right now i can't work weekends right and i i said it without any problem because if they have a problem with it what am i going to do would i rather say i wish i would have spent more time with my daughter before she left my home forever yeah (laughs) or do i wish i would have worked them weekends at that damn watching dirt being moved yep you know at some point you gotta grab your balls and say hey (laughs) this is what i am doing no i i i totally i i get that and i and i have in the last week or so i've basically been saying i need to have this conversation with my boss and Right now, it's just finding the right way to do it, and it's looking like it might be a phone call at this point rather than saying, hey, let's sit down and talk over lunch or in person or whatever, because I almost rarely see, rarely see my boss either. You, you've been talking. You need to right. allow yourself time to heal and to, to have pleasure in, in things yeah. that give you inspiration in life again. Oh, you know? I hear you. It seems to me like you have all sorts of – you've got ways to do it. No matter what ends up coming of it or all that, you know, and all those other things, uh, you've got the house where you can rent it out and make some money in order to earn enough of a living to be on your boat when you get your boat done. And you're not going to spend $500,000 on your boat and you're going to, you're instead, you're going to spend about a fifth of that. It sounds like, and, um, 
and it sounds like and, and maybe you'll be building boats uh in the future so uh you know it seems like you've got all your stuff in a row and uh i want to see you out on the water soon kamau yeah that that i've gotten a couple of offers to go out uh probably in july after we get back from puerto rico and uh get a couple free weekends because now it's you know my weekends are spent you know <laughs> building a boat and not sailing on a boat but i'm definitely going to do more sailing this year i think uh 2014 i was out almost every weekend on a boat but last year uh it was challenging it was it was a very challenging year last year i mean just so much that happened but right uh not this year we're gonna turn that around plus some, uh, i need to to, to go to some of these rallies and, and meet some single women that want to be on boats. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. That's that's a that's a tough part as well. But um, <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure you can do it. Uh, so get out there to those rallies and uh, hopefully I'll see you uh, up in Annapolis in uh, this coming October and uh, we can all get together and, and chat. So yeah. Okay. Well, thank good. thank you very much, Kamau. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Hey man, I'm glad you uh, responded when I sent you that uh, that email. I'm building a boat, and what did I say? No one believes me. <laughs> Something like that. I I believe no you. One I yeah. believed you. And then and then I remembered that I heard your podcast with Andy, and I said I I really do need to talk to this guy. So yeah, because uh, it is it's possible. People figure out what your budget is, what your discernment income is, what you can save. You know, if it's five hundred a month, you can do it. If it's you know a thousand or more a month, that's even great. But you can do it. We can, you can live your dream. If it's you know an extended charter, or if it's just you know uh, getting a nice little boat and doing some day sailing or some cruising, you can do it. Just make a plan and work your plan, and you'll be surprised at what you can accomplish. I completely agree. Thanks, Kamal. Have a good night. Thank you. Uh, no problem, my friend. All right. And and peace and blessings. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Until next time. Peace and blessings. That's my radio voice. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I like it. I like it. That's, I could do that, too. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could. You do have a radio voice. You could do that. Voiceovers, man. If you're there listening, you, you need a voiceover. I'll, I'll record on your answering machine. There we go. No problem. There we go. I like it. I like it. All right. Thanks a lot. Hey, brother. All right. So I hope all of you out there enjoyed that as much as I did and got a, as much out of it as I did. I did not expect at the beginning of our chat for Kamau and I to delve as deep as we did into, you know, life perspectives and uh, work and dealing with uh, bosses and retirement and family and all of those other things uh, but you know and, and then I went back and I said ah, should I take some of it out should I keep some of it in should I make it uh, one or two episodes and I just said you know what I'm leaving it in there you got it all uh, why, why not that's the conversation we had and I had a lot of fun and I'm hoping that you guys uh, gained something from it as well and maybe uh, got your own little perspective whether that's a change in life perspective or not out of all of that and uh, hopefully you guys are out there protecting and striving towards your dreams 
and uh, hopefully you guys will, if you want to get out on the water, you'll get out on the water with me here soon enough. So that's what I'm working for. That's what Kamal's working for. That's what we're looking forward to, hopefully, here very soon. So thank all of you for listening. If you have any questions, you please feel free to email me at teddyj at sailloot.com. I try to respond to every email. Sometimes it takes me a little while to get through them all as things get piled up in that uh, sailloot email inbox. But I will get to you eventually, I promise. Uh, if you'd like to know how to set up your own sailing blog or your own website, head on over to sailloot.com and click on that way anchor page. As I said at the intro, there's a quick video over there that a video over there that'll help you get started. And fire me any questions if you have. If, fire me an email if you have any questions at all. You can ask me anything. Anything. Ask me about sailing, learning to sail, cruising, or anything else that you want. In fact. Like just, just shoot me an email and tell me about your sailing experiences or whatever you want. I love hearing all of the stories. As always, all of the links and resources that are mentioned in this episode can be found on the show notes at sailloot.com slash episode 039. Of course, you can find us at sailloot.com, facebook.com slash sailloot, and on Twitter at sailloot. If you happen to share or tweet or something like that, I will try and respond to all those as well. Go ahead and send me a message any any way you want or, you know, share any way you want. That's the biggest thing that helps. You can also sign up for the Sail Loot email rally, leave a review for the podcast, and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes all in one place over at sailloot.com slash podcast review. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope that all of you can find a way to find your sail loot to live a life rich in experiences. I hope to meet all of you out on the water, fair winds and following seas, and peace and love. Twenty uh, knots. Twenty knots, full sail, baby. That's that's, that's what your whole speed is. No, 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 no. 20 knots of breeze. Oh, oh, oh. I was like, there's that no it, way your whole speed's 20 knots. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where did you come up with these calculations? That would be amazing. Yeah. 154 <laughs> foot, foot. Sorry. Right, right, right. No. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. All right, gotcha. In 20 I'm knots of, in 20 knots of, I, all right, I understand. I got you now. In 20 knots of breeze. Right. I can carry gotcha. sail. Okay. Each whole speed. 